This episode of The Legend of Retro is sponsored by Detroit Beard Collective. Dot com, where you can find beards of all shapes and sizes. You can find your collection. Nope, you can find beard supplies such as beard balms, mustache wax, beard elixirs, combs, shampoos, all the tools you need to feed your beard. Not not necessarily purchase collections of beards. Where do I get a beard though? From your own face, typically. Now, you're an unfortunate fellow who who obviously can't grow a beard too well. But if you are a person who has great facial hair, Detroit Beer Collective is the one to help you out. I'll tell you what, I may not be able to grow facial hair, but I sure as hell can appreciate it. That's right. And you know what I can do? What? Spend money. That's right. You go on DetroitBeerCollective.com. If you spend $25 or more, you can use the offer code MCGAMING and get 20% off your order. That's great. That is great. I so, can spend more money on beards that way. Right. Uh, well, what? On beard items. Thank you. That's, I'm scared now. No, don't be. That's, That's okay. So so thank you, Detroit Beer Collective, for sponsoring this episode of The Legend of Retro. Remember, everyone, use the offer code MCGAMING at checkout and receive 20% off your order of $25 or more. And get some beards. Supplies. Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome to the Legend of Retro. This is Jobs. And correct W K. Now, I do want to say. Uh, one thing that was missing while I was gone was uh, unique ways to intro the show because it just seemed real plain that you guys were just like, oh, this is Xander, this is Craig WK, and like, I don't know, it just didn't seem like you guys were having fun with it. We, it, it a secret fact about uh, Xander and I, we secretly hate each other oh, okay. with a fiery passion, mm-hmm. and so it's just like we can't really get into the swing of things in the first few moments, and that's why every episode just starts with like, uh, this is Xander and uh, Craig, uh, Craig WK, and we're like kicking each other underneath mm-hmm. the seat. Trying to stab each other, like constantly holding a knife, like with your arms, like oh. Yeah, we actually are like locked arms every episode, trying to murder each other. (laughs) It's it's honestly for the best that it's you taking over for a bit, uh, because my arm's sore, man. You must be pretty strong though. Not strong enough to kill Xander, but he's not Not strong strong enough enough to kill me either. So you know what he's gonna do. Ultimate stalemate. (laughs) All right, well, we're starting this off this episode off right. Uh, we're talking about today Final Fantasy VII. The seventh Final the, Fantasy. Of the Sevens Finals fans. I don't know. What? what? <laughs> Did you just have a stroke? A middle, little stroke. Talk, please. <laughs> so, well, well, Chops checks his pulse and makes sure that he's not having like a brain hemorrhage or something. I. Uh, so Final Fantasy VII is a Japanese role-playing game released on September 7th of 1997, created by Squaresoft before they merged with Enix to become Square Enix. Uh, the game's widely regarded as the reason why JRPGs gained popularity in the U.S. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, in the seventh game of the series, you find yourself in the role of Cloud Strife, a mercenary that's been hired to help a terrorist group known as Avalanche blow up reactors, which are owned by the Shinra Corporation that are sucking out the life force of the planet. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Save the world. Yada, yada, yada. Some twist. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. Bigger evil. All right. Retro <laughs> relapse. <laughs> that's, that's literally, that's kind of like the plot of any Final Fantasy 
they yeah. they're just different skins. Yeah, most all Final Fantasies have like uh, uh, a weird twist in them. Mm-hmm. They they have like a, a slight sci-fi kind of like thematic somewhere in them. Like usually it's like kind of smaller, but in this one it's, it's the whole thing. It's the whole game. Very sci-fi. Very like it felt like like almost like the game was taking place in like a modern day world. It did. I like that. I liked that a lot. It was an interesting twist, and at the, I mean, because the previous game, Final Fantasy VI, had like a steampunk thing going, but in this one, they just like they jumped the shark practically. You mm-hmm. know, it was like it was it was futuristic. It was you know at least compared to all the medieval Final Fantasies that came before it. Right. You know, it was I, uh, I, uh, well, l- let's touch base about Final Fantasy VII for a yes. second. The basics. The, you have a character. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Yes, basically. Oh, okay. No, it, it's a traditional turn-based RPG. Yep. So you get into random battles, you fight monsters with you know by going through your options, fight magic items, etc. I uh, so you you know you gain experience as you fight your monsters, yada yada. I uh, but the real interesting twist in Final Fantasy VII, which makes me feel like it's probably one of the best combat systems for a Final Fantasy, yep. is Materia. This is. So this is why it's my favorite Final Fantasy, and I I claim to be the best. Oh? Yes, I know. You're looking at me with fiery eyes. <laughs> it's because of the Materia system. Honestly, I, I can't fault you for it. The Materia system is amazing. I, I don't know. Like, did Albert Einstein leave behind, like... Here's the materia system, bro. <laughs> like, because this is like the most like me to me ingenious design of of like, uh, 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 abilities. It was tree. actually in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, they, really? They, they, oh. When they found it in the cave, they were like materia. Oh. And then one of the guys was like, "I'm the president of Square. Give me that." And he stole it and he, <laughs> he ran off it. with and it. And then he read it and then he just like the th- he became that person. Like he took over his mind. Materia. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. The materia system is basically it's like a magical imbuement to your character's weapons and armor, mm-hmm. and based on your slots available per armor and your material that you choose, you basically outfit your character's abilities that way. Like you don't have classes, you just have a base character with materia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like certain weapons have multiple slots. Some slots are like connected. Yep. So you can have like you know two or or more materia that like will connect to each other. So if you have the all materia and you have lightning materia, well then when you use your like bolt spell to like cast lightning damage on the enemies, well the first time you cast it, it'll have it'll hit all enemies. Yep. You know, or or have the potential to. I guess you can you know change that. And the more you level up all, the more times it'll hit all people in the party or, right. or the enemies in the across the field or whatever. And that was a unique. Was so cool is that you had these inner workings of different materia based on the slots, and they leveled up and they created children. Yeah, yeah. Like, so when you maximize yeah. lightning materia, you would, you know, so you would have it like at the max level, you would be able to cast up to bolt three or whatever. Yep. But once you mastered it, it would make a new lightning materia. Yeah. Back so you to just level one. Copied it, basically got a new one. Yeah. So like those super rare materia that you got in the game that was like one or two of, if you worked hard enough in it, then you copied it. And now yeah. you have two. Okay. And then you get another one. Now you have three. Like it, it and it made it so that. You could pretty much 
you could have any character have any kind of ability, you, depending on their slots. Yeah. And then you had enough, like, I, I felt supported. So, like, okay, every character had a heal. Or mm-hmm. this character was all offense. This character was all heal. This character was all buffs. That's what like, I did. <laughs> like, you know, like, you had rules, but you didn't have... And, and, and I think that's what I lost in future Final Fantasies. It didn't have these these weird class job systems that, like, limited you to certain trees or certain stat performance increases or decreases. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, that turned me off from a lot of things because I just want to be able to do this with this one character and not, like, totally change everything. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII's materia system is, it's honestly, like, genius. Mm-hmm. They took the Magicite system from six, which is very, very similar. And then they just made it so that it incorporated into your equipment instead of a separate thing. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, they like in the ways they they did this were were incredibly fascinating. Because, like, you have like armament uh, materia. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you equip armament and poison on your armor, well, suddenly you resist poison damage and poison status effects. Yeah. If you slap it on your weapon, when you hit the enemy with it, there's a chance you'll poison them. And so, like, there's just so much to the game and your equipment. And honestly, though. What's weird to me is like when I went back to play Final Fantasy VII, like when it came out on the PlayStation 4 with all the new bonus features and Mm -hmm. stuff, I forgot about the fact that like your equipment, you have weapon, you have armor, and then you have like a relic or whatever. Yeah, that's it. That's all. Yeah, you don't have helmets. You don't have chest, or you don't have like like knee pads. You don't have shoulder pads. And that kind of goes with the theme of the game. It's a modern game. Kind of, you're just dealing with what you have. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, like, it, you're just making the most of it. So I like the simplified versions of it. And, and But there's also, like, you worked for materia, but you worked for weapons. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's stuff in this game that if you're not getting in the beginning, you're not getting it at the end. Yeah. There's items that if you miss, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with materia. But then, like, also your most powerful ones, summons, are materia as well. Yeah. And those combine with certain things. So, like... The most well-known combination of materia is Knights of the Round <laughs> plus what is it like times seven or something? What was the materia that multiplied it? Oh, uh, um, multi or something like something that. Something like that, and then all. I think you also put it with, and it what hit, was a summon. It hit everybody. Was anyway, the summon I hit think, all? Yeah, okay, I, I wasn't so. sure, I but it basically you you cast Knights of the Round and it does it like x amount of times. <laughs> For one round, for that one attack, yeah. It, it, now, for our <laughs> listeners, Knights of the Round I'm sorry, is, a, yeah, exactly. is a summon spell that just brings up what like 13 knights of the round table, of the round table, yeah. basically, and they just all wail on the enemy, they all do an attack on the yeah. enemy. Yeah, it's a long, it's like the longest summon in the game. But like, if you got those combinations, you beat anything pretty much anything. Now, oh, we- oh, oh, sorry, and sorry, you cast it on yourself. Because you cast it on someone who has a reflect materia, which doubles the return damage. Did you know this? No. Or shell, or it's one of those ones. There's a spell you can cast on yourself where, like, the d- magic damage you take, it gets bounced back and reflected and doubled. Oh. So you'd cast it on yourself, and then it gets re- mirrored and attacks the enemy. <laughs> oh, wow. It was really. Like broken, but it, it, the whole system in general. Like if you just went through the game as normal as is, it, it's you know it's standard, no big deal. But like there are so many exploits in this game. Like uh, our buddy, uh, 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 mine and Xander's friend Sean, 
uh, who I'll actually be bringing up again in this episode for Final Fantasy VII, uh, he had like cheesed out the system where like Barrett could like with one of his limit breaks could do like exponential damage where it like broke the game, mm-hmm. and so like he could he could one shot the like end game bosses that are like bonus it's bosses. The same thing with Kate Sith. Uh, with uh, the lucky slots or the lucky attack, oh, okay. like you could get it to where you could get it to land on lucky sevens every time, and it's a one hit. Like it does over the nine thousand. Like it just does. It just breaks the it, cap. It kills. Yeah, it breaks the cap and kills kills everything. Wow. Yeah, the the game is is incredibly fascinating for just even from the battle aspect. And like to top it off, we uh, limit breaks. Yeah, were introduced in this game. Now they're technically uh, prototypes to limit breaks are in Final Fantasy VI. If your health is low enough, your character, when they go to attack, will do a special bonus attack, which is kind of neat. And it's only very rare that it happens. It's like a, a one in however much chance it happens. Mm-hmm. But they took that system, fleshed it out, and basically in Final Fantasy Seven and most Final Fantasies after that, if you take damage enough, you fill up a bar, and then you can do a special attack. Yep. Which is really neat, you know. Some characters have like, you know, like like Barrett uh, at the beginning of the game can can shoot and do big damage, or he can like hit the enemy and remove their magic abilities, yep. magic points or whatever. You know, Cloud can hit somebody a bunch or one person like really really hard or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, so yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff. And and you level up, you go to level ninety nine is your maximum level, yeah. I think. Is or is it one hundred? I think it's ninety nine. And um, it's it's a very complicated story like most Final Fantasies are, but because it was of the first generation on the PlayStation with your 3D graphics Mm -hmm. like an awesome soundtrack um, like the story is really deep but then confusing in in like the most absurd ways ever yeah they they, They tried a lot yeah on one hand I really appreciate the story on another hand, there's a part of me that's just like, oh my god, this is so melodramatic and and hokey, and like, mm-hmm. what what are they doing here? Like, I I think for for the first time you play it, and especially like in my case when I played it back in '97, you know, so I I was a young teen at the time. Uh, let me do up the math here and think you were. for a second. Yeah, yeah. So a young teen. I uh, I think it, I think you probably were. 12 or 13 probably. Yeah, yeah, I would have been uh uh like 12 going on 13 mm-hmm. or I actually when the game first came out I think I was 12 and then I hit 13 when I got it because I think I got it for my birthday because it came out on September 7th okay. and my birthday's on the 19th. Oh, okay. So I might have I might have technically gotten it like as an early birthday present, but in any event, uh you know, as a young teen, it's a little angsty. It's perfect for a young teen. It, it, yeah, for for me at that age, I thought this was like the deepest greatest thing in the world. Oh yeah. You know, I uh, now we'll 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 chat a bit about the 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 plot in a bit, but I do want to talk about uh, how revolutionary the game was for the industry, because here's the thing: JRPGs and RPGs in general, they were like a tiny niche market. They sold very little in America, but a game called Final Fantasy VII hit. With its budget of like eighty million dollars, and they build it like almost like it was like an interactive movie. Mm-hmm. Like when you saw the commercials, it was like they were showing cutscenes, and it would look crazy. The graphics were it just insane compared to everything else at the time. And the narrator like really hyped it up. I don't know if, if like you can find it on YouTube. Uh, there's a bunch of different versions of the commercials, but my favorite was when he's like, you know, the narrator's going through, and he's like, you know. 
like cloud strife is a soldier of fortune you know determined to save the world if he succeeds you survive if he fails you can always press the reset button <laughs> and then like shows final fantasy 7 and stuff it's it, it's worth a look for how like cheesy it is but at the time it was insane like and you can talk to so many people that don't aren't really into rpgs but they were into final fantasy 7 you know i've met so many people that it's like oh you like final fantasy and they're like well yeah i played 7 and it's like, did you play any others? No. no. All right. Well, I mean, good enough. It's fine. You know, I so. So, yeah, it's it's I mean, I feel like I would be very surprised if there were any listeners of ours who did never played this game. Very. Yeah, surprised. I'd be very surprised, too. Yeah. No, I can understand if they never beat it. You know, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a long, a long game. game. It's yeah. a four, three disc game, four disc game. I. Uh, I think it's three. I think three discs. I think it's three discs. If I'm not mistaken, it's three discs. It might be four, but I'm pretty sure three. But in any event, I mean, it's a long game, and you know, I, you know, when you start getting to the end, there's going to be some grinding. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not like the it's certainly not the easiest Final Fantasy game, and especially if you're trying to do all the fun little tricks and stuff to the combat system, well, then it's even more time consuming. You know, or if you're trying to get everything in the game, mm-hmm. like. Oh, there's a lot of bonus there's stuff. There's so yeah. much extra stuff you can do. Like, there's, there's characters. characters you can get that you can just skip over and not even worry about. Yuffie and Vincent are, are you know, I mean, they're they're in the Final Fantasy lore. I mean, heck, Vincent got a spinoff game. Mm-hmm. You know, they were originally meant to be main characters for the team, but uh, I guess they ran out of time while they were making it, and so they made them optional. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because they have plot moments. So it's weird that they're optional. Yeah, they do have plot moments. Yeah. It's really strange. Yeah. Uh, if you get the Ninja Girl Yuffie, who, when I was younger, I thought was annoying. I was like, oh, yeah, she's, like a, she's like a younger sibling. This yeah. is stupid. Why would I want this? When I've played the most recent time, I thought, oh, she has a ranged weapon, a giant shuriken. Yeah. She's like a goofy ninja. She's the only not melodramatic character. Yep. Throw her in the team. Uh, so I, I thought Yuffie was kind of cool in more recent play, you know, playings of it. But uh, but yeah, she has like a, a ninja village you can go to where there's well, you like encounter her in the woods. Like mm-hmm. it's just like a random encounter. Yeah, you run into her and she has this weird scripted scene where you have to like like basically you have to like blow her off and pretend you don't want her in the team and then she joins. Right. If you if you're like you should join us, she runs away. Yep. And you have to find her again in another forest. It's really weird. Vincent has a bunch of melodramatic scenes that involve oh, yeah. the past and stuff because he was like a member of like the Turks, which are like this like secret police force yeah. for the evil Shinra Corporation. It, it was kind of weird, a little melodramatic. He turns into monsters in battle. It's kind of weird. Yeah, he said something with hell involved with him. Yada yada. Yeah. But he has a gun. He has a yeah another gun. ranged character. Yeah, he he fights with like a pistol mm-hmm. and he has a like a weird metal hook, like clawed hand. Yeah, that's another weird weird real weird characters. I mean, you get Barrett who literally has a machine gun for an arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's cool. Yeah. I I always really dug Barrett. Uh, uh, like when I first played when I was a kid, uh, I just thought he was awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel like they which. Is maybe it's. I feel like they they maybe were a little culturally insensitive because they like gave him Mr. T dialogue basically. Oh, yeah. I, I think at one point he legitimately says, "I pity the fool." Probably. <laughs> I, but I loved him. I thought Barrett was great. I thought Barrett was really cool. Uh, I always dug Red Thirteen. I thought was neat. Oh, Red Thirteen is my favorite. Yeah. Tifa's a brawler, which is like another gender role switch there. That yeah, was cool. I, I thought that was the neat. time. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was cool. Uh, Eris uh, or. 
Aerith. Aerith, I, you know, depending on your preference or what region you played the game in. Uh, but Aerith, uh, uh, yeah, she uh, uh, was more of a magic mm-hmm. user, a more traditional female lead, sort of. But uh, but like Tifa, I thought that was really progressive. She, yeah. she fought with her fists. That was great. That was neat. And then Sid, which, like, is there. Sid is the name Sid is in like every Final Fantasy game, and I appreciated that they just like gave you this like pilot dude because yeah. they're always pilots. Sid of the Highwind. Yep, Sid Highwind, and they slap him in your team, and he fights with a, a spear, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. You would think he'd fight fight with like I don't know wrenches or or, or you know something like that. <laughs> wrenches. I don't. Well, he's a mechanic. He's okay. a pilot. All you know. Right. I don't know. When I think pilots, I don't think. Sp- Guys with spears. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't think you like when they're flying jets. They're flying over. They're like, I need to spear this guy, and they dive out of the plane <laughs> with a spear. If anything, I picture him with another ranged weapon. Yeah, a gun or something. Gun or a missile. Wa- oh, bazooka would be cool. <laughs> be dumb. Be the dumbest thing in the world. Oh, oh, like the guy with the machine gun arm and the c- crazy claw hand guy with a pistol is much yeah, better. Yeah, it is. It's much better. I don't know that it's much better. It's much better. I don't know that it's much right, better. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, I I feel like Final Fantasy VII. You know, we we've we've heaped some praise on it. You know, it's it's a uh, it's got an interesting plot. It's a little convoluted, but mm-hmm. you know, but for the time, you know, when I was playing it, I dug it. Uh, the combat system's amazing. But what are some of the problems? Hmm. Problems. Lots of dialogue. It's a he- dialogue-heavy game. In fact, uh, uh, when they start showing the first flashback that Cloud has of his like childhood and like when when he's uh, a young man in mm-hmm. this soldier organization, uh, they 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 like pause halfway through his flashback scene to see if you want to save the game and take a break. Yep, that's a lot of dialogue. Oh yeah, um, a lot of random encounters. I don't know that there were too many more than like any other Final Fantasy game. I thought but there was a lot. There's, there's a fit. Yeah, I'm not saying there's not a lot. I just feel like it's pretty par for the course as far as that goes. My biggest beef with Final Fantasy VII is the way they did the like graphics. Mm-hmm. So like the the characters are polygonal. I mean, it's early PlayStation. You know, not a huge deal there. In battle, the graphics look great. You know, so like that's fine. But it's the fact that like the the world around you is like almost like drawn on mm-hmm. and so like there's a lot of times where like you you don't know where the heck to go like you don't know what you can stand on and what you're supposed to move around on yeah because they had like you could turn the indicators on and off in the game it's really ridiculous to me that they like looked at their game and they were like we don't you don't know where you're going so we put in an option to press a button and a big flashing arrow shows you the doorway yep because there's like 70 doorways that you can go in this area but you can't actually go in those you can only go in this well one. i mean if you think about it the camera angle's the worst that's pretty bad too. like it's a fixed camera angle of like kind of a top-down third sometimes person. like it's sometimes that's on a weird angle yeah there's a, a scene in the game where cloud dresses as a soldier yep like a, not the soldier organization that i've mentioned that's you know before which we'll get to when we start talking about the villain but the uh, but he's like a, a random grunt infantry in this like blue uniform, and like there's this like you're on a street like this like big suburban street it looks like or city street, and the camera angles way back. Oh yeah, and you're this tiny little blue speck, but they don't make it like I mean it's not like you're in your own uniform or your own look. You look like all the other like grunts that are around. So you're this little blue like dot on this horizon like running around in circles thinking like which one am I? This right. is stupid. Yeah. Also, I felt like there were a lot of mini games. 
There are too many mini games. There like, are a like lot. so the golden saucer, like there's I could have done without a lot of that. There's a mini game when you jump on your bike to help your friends escape this the this main city. Yep. There's a mini game when you leave that area and you find the mountain that the sole enemy soul, uh, troops are attacking. Oh, uh, oh, I see what mini games you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah. There's the mini game where you're dressing up as women. Okay, now that one I want to talk about a little more. Oh, God. Because how amazing is that? They took right. Cloud and they're like, hey, if you want to sneak into this creep's mansion, you need to like dress up as a woman and like catch him by surprise. You can get enough gear and look good enough that you get picked over the other female characters in the yeah. game. How amazing is that? I thought that was really funny. I think I it's thought that was ridiculous. It, okay. You're not wrong. It is. But how great is that? Like, that's just, that's crazy. Sure. <laughs> so, but anyway, so you have that mini game. Well, you have all the military mini games. Uh huh. You have all the military mini games where you're on, like, Mount Condor, yeah. where all these, like, like, enemy monsters are attacking and you need to, like, place soldiers. It's almost like a tactical game. Yeah, that, or even when you're dressed up as a soldier. Dressed like, up as a soldier. That, like, moving and getting the right movements. And mm-hmm. It's almost like a rhythm game where you yep. select the right things. There's also a mini game to get to that area where you need to jump on a dolphin and mm-hmm. like like hop out of the water and and it's like you know I, I get that they want to break up the the monotony of like regular combat yeah. and stuff but like it's almost too much like you said there's so many mini games there's a lot so of many I don't care about my least favorite would be the chocobo system uh, you know I I I feel like there was so much added to that. And I I didn't mind it too much when I first played through, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's there's a lot to it. Well, yeah. the, the, like because I'm not good with like breeding, raising animal games like uh-huh. like farm. Like I never played Harvest Moon because I didn't like that game. Oh, I, I really so, dug Harvest Moon. So like, but trying to get a golden chocobo <laughs> in this mother loving game. Uh huh. Was the most frustrating thing in the world to the point where like I had to have my friend do it for me, and he was only able to get a golden chocobo once for himself, mm-hmm. and he could only get a black one for me. Like just the way it was working out, mm-hmm. he couldn't get me a gold chocobo. It was hard, and I don't remember. I've all never the gotten details. one to this day unless I used a game shark and did it. <laughs> and that was the only way I ever got nice to the round was with a game shark. I beat the game otherwise. But you couldn't get but that I, gold I, chocobo? I couldn't get the gold chocobo, and I could never get nice around the natural way. Wow. The truth comes out. I mean, because you need it so, like, you had different terrain, and you had different chocobos and went on different terrain, mm-hmm. and a gold chocobo was the only thing that went on all terrains. Like, it went on water, too, didn't it? I believe so, yeah. Or at least through rivers. Or went well, through I think rivers. Bl- I think the black chocobo could go over rivers. It went over like there's certain there's a certain terrain that it uh-huh. couldn't, black chocobos couldn't go over. Right, and then I was just yeah, it just so. Mm. It's frustrating. It hurts yeah. me so much. <laughs> yeah, the oh man, you know, and and so the game has has some beefs, or we have some beefs with the game here and there, and I I think one of the things that I I, I can't fault Final Fantasy VII for, but I don't like that it the trend it set, it made the main character jerk a jerk for every other rpg (laughs) after it for so many years so many years of jerk protagonists even the next final fantasy the zidane yeah Yeah. no 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 uh squall squall was a jerk zidane was cool oh eight sorry i I skip over eight because i never finished it (laughs) 
I started it up recently. It's a weird one. And I just can't get into it. It's a I weird one. I can't get one. into that in six. I don't know why. It, it, now, you can't get, you not being able to get into six is really weird. Eight, I understand because it is a weird Final Fantasy. But we'll save six for another time. Okay, all right. In any event, uh, yeah, it, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it like, it, it made so many of those like late 90s RPGs, like they, like, like all these other companies saw what Squaresoft at the time, Squaresoft mm-hmm. had done. And they were like, oh, that that's what people want. They want like big jerks for like main characters. Let's do that. And so like there's just so many games you play and like the, the character comes out and they're like, oh, I'm I, I don't care about anything but myself. Oh, and it's like, what? Well, how am I supposed to get into this character? I'm not an angsty teen anymore. <laughs> I was maybe an angsty adult for a little bit there, but not long enough for me to keep enjoying yeah, I it. Mean, maybe they're just still trying to hit that market. I think they were, you know. And uh, so, so I, I, you know, I can't fault Final Fantasy VII for that. But a part of me just really, really gets frustrated at that idea that the fact that like that's they, that's how they set it, right? Up, you know. Now. I did want to talk about uh, not only the artist for the game, but also the uh, the hero and villain dynamic a bit here. So, uh, Yusuke Naura and Tetsuya Nomura. Now, Tetsura, uh, I'm sorry, Tetsuya Nomura might be familiar to you because he's the guy who's behind all the Kingdom Hearts games. Yep. Now, uh, they worked on the art, and uh, uh, when they did, they decided to make the hero and the villain have a... a uh, uh, Miyamoto Musashi and a Sasaki Kojiro dynamic. Now, if you're not familiar with them, I'm definitely not. They are like like uh, historic icons from Japan. They were, they were legitimate people back in the day, and they were both samurai. Musashi is like the hailed as like the greatest swordsman that ever existed, certainly in Japan. And they like had this rivalry where they like really hated each other, and so they like when they when they were making their the main character and the villain for Final Fantasy VII, they wanted to do the same thing. So if you look at Cloud and Sephiroth, they're, you know, they're quite different. So you have, like, Cloud with bright blonde spiky hair and a giant huge sword that's, like, real thick, whereas Sephiroth is, like, dressed in all black, has long silver hair, and is, like, a six-foot-long katana. Yeah. So how do you feel about Sephiroth, Chops? I liked Sephiroth. Like, I liked him up until mm-hmm. he finds Genova. Like, literally, like finds in the game, yeah, in yeah. the game, and rips her out and all that stuff. So, so you liked him way early in the game because yeah. that that happens all pretty beginning of the it game. It does, stuff. yeah. I like, I like his character. Just like, it literally just gets to the point where like. He's he's a rival. He's kind of mad, but he's just really upset by what's being done to him in his in his life, and he's trying to find meaning. And then he just becomes like a demon, like 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 he just, it just he becomes, loses it. It just becomes like full on, like just drops off the side of a mountain. There it goes throw that out the window. Here he go, <laughs> and that's when I lose it. I'm just like, okay, now I don't I, now I don't have anything invested in him. Yeah, Sephiroth starts as as kind of like a, a real like he, he's almost like the straight man. Yeah. for a while, like he he's sort of real serious. He wants to get his mission done, and what's what I thought was interesting is in like before you get the flashback with Sephiroth. Uh, you have Cloud who's like, 
listen, he's like, all the rumors you've heard of how powerful Sephiroth is, he's like, they pale in comparison to how powerful he yeah. really is. And when the game, when you first see Sephiroth, he uh, basically, he's like telling Cloud to like settle down in this car because Cloud's like, you know, antsy and looking out the window and stuff. And a dragon attacks. You jump into battle with Cloud and Sephiroth. Cloud gets his turn first. He hits the dragon. Maybe 50, maybe yeah. 100 damage. Sephiroth dives forward, dices the thing apart, and does max damage, yep. 9,999. And at that moment, you're like, oh, wow. Oh, this guy's scary. Mm-hmm. This guy's super scary. He's wearing like a black, and for, for the people who aren't as familiar, black trench coat, black pants, yep. huge boots, silver pauldrons on his shoulder, this six-foot-long katana. He's like, he's real pretty. And uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, throughout this flashback, Sephiroth finds out that he was like experimented on as a baby and like he he's not like, they're basically this evil Shinra corporation has these this like group called Soldier, where they've infused their their men, the or women as the case may be, uh, with like the the like the d- genetics is it of like Genova, this like yeah. ancient uh, ancient entity, the ancient entity which is also part of like the Mako, uh, not Mako, the Life Tree, the Life, life Tree, tree. Ma- uh, Mako Energy, yeah, Mako Energy. Spoiler alert! Feel free to skip ahead a few seconds here if you don't want to catch this. You eventually find out in the game. That Genova's not one of the ancients, this ancient race that, like, you know, are bounded with the planet. She's, like, an alien entity yep. who, like, landed on the planet. And, like, Sephiroth's crazy because he's, like, so assured that, you know, his, like, mommy is, like, the this ancient. Then God. She, yeah. And deserves the planet. But really, she's just, like, an invader from outside the yep. planet. So, basically, you have Sephiroth who starts with this, like, holy mission where he's going to basically, like, you know, take over the planet because he's the rightful heir and it turns out he's just this mama's boy with a uh, with delusions of grandeur, and it, 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 it's it's just it's weird because it doesn't it feels like the truth that they reveal later in the game about Sephiroth isn't as cool as what it originally was supposed to be. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's real weird. It's and I mean the plot gets more convoluted, and I don't want to spoil. Well, there's all that too stuff with, with Cloud figuring out like who he is really and yeah it's it's with Zach and all that that, that was weird that whole storyline which they made another game uh, off of so yeah. they have so many spin-offs of Final Fantasy 7 cuz the story is convoluted it's really confusing it's very very confusing but like what he becomes at the end is just weird but like, and then the whole idea of this one-winged angel thing, like... Oh, now the one-winged angel I definitely want to talk more about towards the end of this, because uh, I actually have a lot that I've looked into as far oh, as God. that goes. All right, so what do we want to go over first? Okay, well, that? I tell you what, let's go ahead and touch base on just the general story itself and some of the moments of the game, because okay. I, I did want to... There was something interesting I found here. Hironobu Sakaguchi is the guy who worked on this game. Okay. He worked on a bunch of the Final Fantasies before. Uh, he had all the initial ideas before they altered it. Apparently, it was supposed to be like in the modern-day world, mm-hmm. and then they altered it to this fantasy world. Apparently, while he was finishing up Final Fantasy VI, his mother passed away. And he was really, really broken up about it. And so in order for him to like help cope, he decided that the next game would be about the themes of life and death. That's fair. I which can, is which you can see in Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Now, spoiler alert, the next few minutes we'll be chatting about a few spoilers here, but I think everyone knows something. I hope so. So there's a scene in the game where your, your uh, uh, Aerith, 
uh, one of the female characters in your group, goes off on her own. She's it's, You find out in the game that she's one of those ancients. She's like the last of her kind, and she's found a way to stop Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. Sephiroth basically wants to... Uh, uh, he he wants to steal a bunch of this Mako energy, this life energy, and in order to do it, he needs to rend open a wound in the planet. So he's summoning forth a meteor to do it. The and it's the materia meteor. Yeah, right? he is the yeah. materia meteor. And then otherwise, uh, Aerith decides that she's going to use the holy materia to stop this. So you eventually track Aerith down, and out of the blue, this game blindsides you. It blindsided me. Sephiroth drops from like the ceiling up above and just stabs Aerith in the back. Murders her. Straight murder. She's dead. She Cloud rushes up. She die, and dies in his arms and drops holy and drops the holy material, which like you know vanishes for for a while in the game. And the scene is it's not like incredibly heavy and dramatic. It's just leaves you with this emptiness. Yeah, it and, just like happens, and you're like, "Wait, what?" Like blindside. Like, how am I supposed to get? This is my healer. Mm-hmm. She's the hope of the team. Yep. I'm already in past disc one. I think at this point. I think disc two at this point. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> like, right. Where do we go from here? I was so mad when I was a kid. I she was in my team. Yeah. I had uh, Aerith and I had Barrett. In my team, as my like the two like two main with characters with Cloud, I was so fired up. I was so upset, and and basically like uh, Sephiroth gives you this weird spiel, and, it, and Cloud's just like, "Why would you do this? Like what you know? Like wh- like how could you take someone's life away like this?" And Sephiroth says something along the lines of like, "Because Cloud, you are," and then just like vanishes, and then you fight Genova. Another spoiler: you eventually find out in the game. That you haven't been tracking Sephiroth, you've been tracking Genova, who's just stolen Sephiroth's form, mm-hmm. which is another weird twist, and honestly detracts a bit, I think, from Sephiroth. I, th- I think it does, yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's where I, at that point, I was just like, "What? Right? That's just dumb. That's just like, <laughs> right? it's like what? I've I've been chasing Sephiroth this whole time." But when you look back at the game, the the kind of the cool thing I do give him credit for is like, you know, when you first see Sephiroth on like the boat or whatever. You immediately fight Genova after, and it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. When you see, when you go to like confront uh, Sephiroth about you know killing Aerith, he jumps in the air, and then Genova immediately drops down. It's like the, like there's never really a moment where you're seeing both of them at the same time. So I thought that was kind of an interesting kind of take on like mm-hmm. the the cinematics of it, you know. But but all in all, it kind of detracts a bit from Sephiroth. Well, that was not super obvious either, because no. like you see all the flashbacks of him like reading the books, and he's in the library, mm-hmm. and he's like, "That's him still." Like it's not Genova yet. Yeah. And then yeah. he goes crazy. Oh yeah. And like that's when I really like him. He's just like, "Screw this! I'm burning this whole village down." Oh yeah. Literally burns the whole village down. And then it just becomes this weird, silent, brooding, world-dominating plan kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that it's because he's been taken over. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. It's it's a little... Yeah. It's a little bit a little, of a letdown. Yeah, it is. And, and Sephiroth really gets a lot of hype as like one of the like the greatest villains ever. And I don't think that's the case. He's, he's, uh, he's an iconic villain. He is very he's iconic. He's one of the most iconic villains. Oh, yeah. He's not the greatest. No. It's just... Um, he he would have been much greater, I think, without the whole Genova thing. 
or at least but at least if, not as much of an influence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, now, funny side story: we've mentioned that there's spoilers here and everything. You know, uh, my buddy Sean and I back in the day were playing this game at around the same time, and I didn't realize I got further than him. Oh no! Did you spoil something for him? I spoiled the fact that Aerith dies. Oh, no. I, I was like, I can't believe it. And he's like, yeah, man, I can't believe it either. He was just like going along with what I said. And I was like, yeah, man. Uh, and I just thought that it, like he knew what I was talking about. I didn't like second guess it. And I was like, I can't believe that I spent all that time working on Aerith only for her to die. And he's like, what? It's <laughs> like, oh, oh no. no <laughs> I ruined the game for uh, my buddy Sean. Did he ever beat it? He did. Yeah, he beat it. Yeah, he's, he's be- beaten it quite a few times at this point and everything he's he's a big gamer yeah he, he i ruined the game for him and you can still get her like final weapons and stuff in the game oh can you that's really or like 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 if you hack it like oh yeah they're, yeah, yeah they're yeah, there yeah. though like they're they're there she so has, like she has a final limit break so like i don't understand why those are in there Maybe they didn't figure that she would die all the whole time when they were designing I don't know. the game. It's crazy. I'm not sure. I uh, all I know is I was incredibly distraught. Yeah. Partially for the fact that I at, at the time I liked Aerith. In hindsight, when you look back, she like we Chops mentioned that uh, there's a confusing thing with this guy Zach. Basically, Cloud and Zach were friends, but Cloud doesn't have memory of them because of blah blah blah. Well, we we're not we don't have the time to talk about everything. No. But er- that was Aerith's ex boyfriend. Yeah. So when Cloud runs into her, and Cloud's acting a lot like Zach, she that she likes him because of that. Mm-hmm. And so like in hindsight, when you play through the game, you're like. Hey, Aerith, I'm not a fan of the fact that you like Cloud only because of your ex-boyfriend. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Not a fan. So, but at the time, I didn't know that. And so, like, I just was like, oh, my God, she's dead. Like, are you going to drop a, are you going to drop a Phoenix down on her? No, no, she's just dead. She's straight dead. Yeah, she's gone. Uh Uh-huh. It was pretty gut-wrenching. Pretty gut-wrenching. Now, speaking of Aerith's death, how about that music? So, Great transition there, Craig. <laughs> Great transition. So, Final Fantasy VII's music, like many, like all the previous Final Fantasies and a majority of the series, was done by Nobuo Uematsu, who's a genius. He's he's like the 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 main guy when it comes to video game music. Practically, you know, he uh, I feel like the soundtrack is a little industrial, a little cold, a little a little. A very yeah, you know, it, it all is. of it seems very melancholy. There's not, I don't, I can't think of a happy song upbeat other than the most annoying song in the game, the chocobo music, that and the golden saucer stuff. Oh, and uh, the victory music is a little happy. I mean, a little bit, but not even. <laughs> it's still kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of somber music. It's it's. I I mean, I think he he did a really good job. You know, Nobuo Yamatsu uh, did on this. I. Uh, now, let's just go ahead and dive right into one of my favorite tracks, and it's probably the reason I like it so much is just because of the memories I have with the passing of Aerith. This is Aerith's theme from Final Fantasy VII.
it's got to be one of the most emotional Final it's Fantasy so songs. Like it's a, really sad. I just want to start crying right now. Uh, it is. It's. It, I mean, just even the music itself is just so beautiful. You know, they uh, Umatsu like just really knocked it out of the park when it comes to the the feels on this mm-hmm. one. You know, it's it's just so heavy. Uh, and and I think if she hadn't passed it probably wouldn't be as emotional. No. You know, but knowing the fact that this theme, like her own theme is just the that theme, mm-hmm. you know, of her demise, it's just super heavy, you know? Now, Chops, you have a uh, 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 favorite theme from this game as well, but it's a little more positive, right? It, it is. It's still it, somber. It, it's still but somber, but it's, it's definitely more positive. Um, it is Red 13's Mm-hmm. Song, uh, basically. I, mean, I guess it's not his, but it's from where he comes from, Cosmo Canyon or Cosmic Canyon. No, Cosmo Canyon. Sorry. Cosmo Canyon. Yeah. Uh, so and I appreciate the the what's the actual uh, title of the song? A Canyon of Falling Stars. That sounds awesome. It That's sounds so amazing. Cool. And and the fact that you see this when you meet it, learn about his dad. Oh and yeah. And like just as epic, like his dad was amazing. Like, I wanted his dad to be a character as well. Like, mm-hmm. give me two of them. I love it. They'll be both in my party. So, for our listeners who aren't as familiar with the game, Red 13 is like this, like, talking, like... Red tight? Red lion? Red, Yeah, like red feline beast character yeah. who who's on all fours. He's not anthropomorphic or anything like that, you know? And, uh, and he's, like, from this, like, noble clan of warriors. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and give it a play. Really good. Oh man! It, it really, I feel like they they uh, Umatsu w- when he was making this song took like the like it's almost like he took like the the like what you would imagine as like a the theme of like a Native American tribe or something. Yeah. You know, like took instruments that would play you know the, the you know, sort of a similar sound and just 
really cranked it up on the nobility dial uh, for his music with that because like it, it's just so good and it sounds so cool and it's you know like we've said like a lot of the music in the game it's pretty somber yeah there's just these, there's like these paths in the songs mm-hmm. like you're like for this one in particular I just think of like a journey in the song mm-hmm. like it, it it's based on those Native American tones like it's like you starting down you know it's a very like earthy mm-hmm. like feel in tune with everything like the beat and everything yeah but but then it, it rises there's a strength behind it mm-hmm. that things build on each other yeah and then it's this like struggle to get higher and get and get louder and then get more and be more and then it just like it gets to that point where it crescendos and then it's like achievement of of this like path through the song mm-hmm. and it's back down to that lower like it's it's like it's a progression of work yeah and uh kind of with Aristheme, it's like you said it's like it's like a cycle of like fragility and death in mm-hmm. the song, which is completely exactly what th- what she is. Yeah, like, it's and I mean that's the theme they were going for in the game, life and by extension death. So like every song in the game, and I think part of its likability is that the the story of the game can be convoluted and can be confusing and be compelling, but the music of each character helps define that feel of where you're at in the game to Mm -hmm. where you kind of understand it. Like The music helps a lot to tell the story, yeah. Yeah. It absolutely does, you know? Uh, Now, now the character themes and stuff, uh, we've we've been going through, Mm -hmm. uh, but we have some Battle music as well, right? I, I just love the battle music. It's the like to is me. This, it's, which it's the bo- most. Is this a regular battle theme, or this is this a boss is, theme? This is regular battle. Okay, this is a regular. This battle This is the theme. regular battle theme. I can I can pull up the uh, the boss battle, but it's a. Uh, oh no, we can do the regular. Okay, I love the regular. Here you go. Like like Chops had said, there's a lot of battles in the game, and honestly, the fight music never ever gets old. No, never. It's it's so good. Like this is one of the. I mean, I would say even one of the best battle musics of like any game. Yeah. For like a for a regular random encounter, it's great. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean, all the Final Fantasy musics have great battle music. You know, it's sort of been one of the staples of the series, but like this one's just great. Knocks it out of the park. You know. Uh, yeah. The song's called uh, "Those Who Fight." Uh, let the battles begin. 
and uh, it's it's awesome. It's great. It's so good. It's just like every piece is so orchestral. Like you hear you hear percussion, you hear the winds, you hear the uh, brass. Like mm. it's just it, but in a in the PlayStation, like they're all MIDI though. Well, here's and the thing it's though. So great, but he built or but they built these as orchestral pieces. Yeah, and the thing too is. Uh, Prior to this, you know, you had all the compressed songs of, yeah. you know, the, the systems that came before it, but now you have CD quality yeah. sound, you know, like, so you, you, Nobuo Yamatsu was able to pull out a lot for this soundtrack, you know, I mean, like he, he sort of, he almost maybe had too much freedom at this point. I'm okay with it. Hey, I'm, I'm not, totally say, I'm okay not saying it, it went wrong or anything, you know, I just think that I, I, you know, like, it's just crazy that, you know, like he just. Like he went from Super Nintendo to just CD quality, you know, whatever he wanted, you know. Uh, now, this next song, Chops and I are going to play for you. We're actually going to segue into talking about the final boss yes. of Final Fantasy VII. This is probably about one of the most important, even songs in like you know almost any video game. I feel like yeah, it, it's one of the first songs that actually had. Voices in the back. Mm-hmm. You actually had lyrics to the song, and it's all in Latin, and it's all utterly terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So, we'll go ahead and start playing the song and let you listen for a, a few moments here. Uh, in fact, we'll actually get the song going while we chat for a little bit, and then we'll go quiet while some of the song goes, and then we'll chat about the final boss. Okay. So this is One Winged Angel from Final Fantasy VII by Nobu Yamatsu. like knives it's it's terrifying right i love it It, and it's a long song which is the reason why we're talking right now because like it'll take a bit to get into it still a lot to go sorry i like to do that with it's it's so good it's now a lot of people hail this as nabu yamatsu's finest work i mean there's a lot to choose from that's the thing And, and it's hard to judge because they're all different aspects of the technology yeah so like if you had these back-to-back and like orchestral for full orchestras and then decide i still don't think this would be the best but this would probably be either two or three. Oh yeah i think it's top five at least i my personal taste is dancing mad which mm-hmm. is the final boss music of uh final fantasy 6 which is 17 minutes long oh, God. it's insane it's amazing but let's go ahead and give this a listen for a little bit yes here. This uh, you know, playing playing the background a bit there, but uh, so Sephiroth is is kind of a weird final boss for Final Fantasy VII because I feel like he Sephiroth set another trend, religious symbolism. Oh, really? 
it got really, really popular around this time. It it's it's sort of weird, you know. Uh, but the thing is, is Square and a lot of other companies were bound by Nintendo, and they didn't want any religion in any of their games. Sony didn't mind so much. No, not at all. So, so here we go. Let let me go ahead and lay a few things on the table right. for you. And if, if there's anything you want to add or ask, by all means, shoot it out there. So, Sephiroth is a term used in the Kabbalah, which is a like a, a like a, a sort of like a Jewish mysticism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it's a term to describe the manifestations of God that allow him to manifest in both the physical and metaphysical universe. So the, uh, uh, so like the uh, the tree of life, the system Sephiroth, uh, Sephiroth uh, is like this. It, like the diagram is is kind of interesting. It's like these series of like circles and all these characters in them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so so you have that going. The when you fight. Uh, after you fight Genova, like perfect, the perfect form of Genova, and you move on to start fighting Sephiroth, the first form is known as Bizarro Sephiroth, and it's this weird monstrosity that has like these like like weird tendrily like le- like uh, like snake like body with arms, and like you know uh, out of his head is another Sephiroth coming yeah, out of him. Real weird, real creepy. Now here's the interesting thing I found out about that. In uh, it's apparently a mistranslation. They called it Bizarro Sephiroth because they translated that battle as Reverse Sephiroth. But it's actually supposed to be Rebirth Sephiroth. Oh, that would make more sense. Right? So so you have that going. To top it off, you have his final form, which is known as Safer Sephiroth. And for, for the listeners who aren't as familiar, in this form, Sephiroth's lower torso has been replaced by six wings. <laughs> That like like sweep them himself into the air, and his left arm is replaced by a seventh giant like black metal wing, mm-hmm. and and he has like this halo behind him and stuff, and I, uh, I, uh, in that form it's it's a little weird. It's there's actually two uh, theories about this. Safer might be a reference to uh, uh, Seraph. And a seraph is an angel. Seraphim, like seraphim, yeah, yeah is an angel that's uh, has uh, six wings. Sephiroth has a seventh, his left arm. Uh, but the interesting thing is they uh, uh, they're angels that are known to. Uh, let me see if I can get the exact wording here. Uh, they're known as the burning ones. Mm-hmm. In the Latin chanting for this song, they refer to Sephiroth as the burning one. Kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Here's another thing, uh, which is maybe an alternate uh, theory. Safer uh, in in the original Japanese version of the game is sort of just pronounced Sefer. A lot of people feel like the uh, uh, the uh, because the word Sefer in Hebrew is book, and the word Sephiroth is like uh, means like numbers or counting. They think it's a reference to like the Book of Numerations, which also uh, is like another like religious thing. And apparently, uh, the reason why a lot of people think that is because when he, when Sephiroth uses his summon Supernova, it brings up like weird like uh, uh, like archaic m- uh, mathematical formulas, mm-hmm. and they think it's a nod to that. I don't know. I don't. I don't even I know no what to say. Cause yeah, right. They're all different theories, and I'm sure there's themes from all those that yeah. play a part into it. But it's just, yeah, this. 
it's weird, a, right? Like this song, just like the game, dictates a lot of evil, like developing this fear in a player in a video game mm-hmm. through music. I feel like you get this a lot later on, like Skyrim, for example, with all the chanting yeah. and and the the loud words that are, are accompanying with it, like help push the 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 tone of the game. Yeah, this immediately sets the tone for this for this fight. Is like, like, am I going to be changed as a person, <laughs> like soul wise? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. I I did also want to mention. Uh, when Sephiroth uses his summon, which is called Supernova, what he does is he basically summons forth a comet. Yep. And it flies through the universe. Mm-hmm. It destroys everything in its path, which, coincidentally, he destroys Pluto. Yep. He destroys uh, all like all the Outer Rim planets. Uh, it, in fact, I think it pierces right through Jupiter. Something like that. It like pierces through Jupiter and then it implodes on itself and explodes. The comet then flies into the sun. It blows up the sun and the sun expands, destroys all of, uh, what is it, um, uh, Mercury and Mars, mm-hmm. and then proceeds to then collide into the planet just enough to hit your team yep. and then recede back and you take like 4,000 damage. Yep. That's that's weird, right? It's super weird. It also takes like twenty minutes. It's so long. It, it, like, like a part of you is excited because it's like so like just like tra- like mind blowing, obnoxious like build up for attack that's just like okay, four thousand damage. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I I'll have to heal after that. Yeah, but, but you know, no big deal. Yeah. Sephiroth is is a really really weird boss fight, and in fact, uh, did you know that the boss fight changes? depending on what you did in previous battles. No. If you use Knights of the Round on Genova Perfect, like the perfect form of Genova, Sephiroth in his final form gets more HP. Oh, yeah. Okay, I did hear this. If you are... If, I never got to do it. Right. If you... Uh, well, I don't even know that I took the time to, to do a lot of this, but if for every like party member that you have at uh, 90, level 99... Sephiroth gets like 40,000 more hit points <laughs> and he gets like a boost to his stats. That's crazy. So if you have a team of all 99 players or characters rather, he's super Sep- hard. He's he's way tougher. Yeah. Sephiroth changes depending on your levels and what you do in previous battles. That's crazy. Yeah. Like uh, now I want to add something to this is that in high school, mm-hmm. I was in marching band. Yeah. And a friend of mine takes credit for this, and I don't know if it's true or not, but yeah. I think he, I think he did influence this. For one of our band shows uh-huh. in marching band, he suggested we should do this song, "One Winged Angel." One Winged Angel. The band director said, "Yeah." She bought the music score for it, and we all played our parts. And this was literally one of the songs for one of our shows in Marching Band. Really? Yeah. I don't know why you didn't. You didn't know this? I didn't. Yeah. That's we, amazing. Because we went to the same high school. Oh, I didn't go to any of the games or, or anything We like performed this song as part of our show and one of our whole wow. pieces. We That's played awesome. One Winged Angel. That's really awesome. Yeah. I... Weird. Another weird little side note. I went to the uh, Dear Friends concert years ago, okay. which was a, a, a concert of Nobuo Yamatsu's music from Final Fantasy. 
And uh, weird little story uh, of one of my friends that went with us to Rosemont, you know, this town, uh, like suburb mm-hmm. outside of Chicago, uh, where nothing happened. I assure our viewers, nothing happened at Rosemont. Nothing weird. Don't worry about it. Uh, but one of our friends, uh, our, t- our buddy Teddy, uh, I think it was his, our buddy Teddy, maybe even like Xander's friend. Like they had a mutual friend who was in the choir who sang One Wing and Angel. Oh, that's crazy. Right? That's so cool. Yeah. Man, we could talk about this game for hours. Honestly, like whether you love it or hate it, you can talk about Final Fantasy VII just like, I mean, as much as you want. There's just so much to the game. Whether you hate or love the plot, regardless, you got to talk about it. Yeah. It's so convoluted and weird. You know, the game mechanics are great. Uh, and now that's something that I don't even think people like argue about. Like the, just the battle mechanics are wonderful. You know, wh- whether you love or hate the graphics, you know, whether you love or hate but you can't hate the music. So, so the music is something you, you can't not love. The battle system you can't not love. But everything else is sort of up to debate, and it's just it's it, it's it's a super important game. Like I can see why some people might not enjoy it, but at the same time, there's so much that's that goes for it. Mm-hmm. It's really there's also a part of it that just doesn't understand why someone wouldn't enjoy this game. I I, I would agree with that. I I think I that, know Xander doesn't really enjoy it. I think it's an enjoyable game. Don't be wrong. The plot's real angsty. It's it real convoluted. It is. Yeah. But if you can sort of accept that and get into the game regardless of its weird convoluted plot and like I think there's even maybe a few plot holes, like things that don't make yeah, sense when you play are. through a second time. I mean the fact that like, oh, you got this airship and then like also like there's this chocobo, you can get in a submarine, <laughs> like there's just like these weird mechanics like like it mm-hmm. tries to do a lot it does yeah like there's optional characters optional bosses yeah. optional items optional like optional I, plot moments you th- can find there's just so much in this thing it's just crazy it's just a hodgepodge of a lot of great stuff so it's yeah. hard to believe but also like yeah you can get lost in it yeah. easily i i can understand when people think this is their fi- favorite final fantasy mm-hmm. it's not my favorite but i can totally understand and there's so much nostalgia because this is this is the final fantasy that made it popular it defined to like them, the know? whole next final fantasies after that yeah Absolutely. Yeah, it, I absolutely it, it defined all RPGs after mm-hmm. it. You know, like you can you can hate Final Fantasy 7. I hate on it a lot. You know, I I really give it a hard time. But what it did for for fi- the Final Fantasy series, RPGs, video games in general, and even just as a game on its own, it it's just it, like we said, you can't not talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a game you can gloss over. It, it's it's almost like the elephant in the room. It needs to be you. You need to address it. Yeah, man. So any any other big things you wanted to touch base on for Final Fantasy VII? Otherwise, chops. I mean, there, there's on. We can keep talking, but like, is there anything that you think the listeners desperately need to know right now? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Nothing comes to mind. Mm. I just like an opinion of mine. I don't like Kate Sith. I think Kate Sith is the worst character in the world. Um, <laughs> Kate Sith is a is. This is where it gets another really weird thing. So you have Kate Sith, who's a giant Moogle, mm-hmm. which is one of the little white bear monsters with little bat wings on them, which are cute. You know, they're they're pretty adorable. It's this big lumbering one with a cat on his back. The cat is the one who does the talking, but he's not actually the cat. The cat is a robot being piloted by one of the politicians in the game mm-hmm. for the Shinra Corporation. Mm-hmm. That's weird, right? Mm-hmm. I can tell you don't like him. 
it's just it doesn't make any like <laughs> the cat like is your teammate and isn't like uh, yep yeah uh-huh and like he, he like dies I at one know. point i think and then he comes back and he's like oh, i was just a robot yeah yeah it's it's weird now who's your favorite character from the team if if kate sith is your least favorite um it's a tie between red and vincent red 13 and vincent vincent really i just i really like his aesthetic and that he turns into these creatures like i really like that i i have the opposite approach my least favorite character is vincent really he's just like i i mean any plot moments with him are super melodramatic yeah i know he got this like angsty side like side game called yep. dirge of cerberus yep i played that a lot you would yeah and yeah it, it's just like i i feel like if if i was to like play through this game and do like a voice for him He'd sound like this, and he'd be really angry about everything. <laughs> and that's like I, I just when I think of Vincent, I think of like like he he he's like a he's this dude in a red a red cape mm-hmm. with a robot hand. Yep, fights with a pistol, hair in front of his face, hair that droops in front of his face, and he turns into monsters. And he has a dark and brooding past. Yeah, he's like a vampire thingy. Yeah, vampire thingy. Least favorite. Yuffie's my least favorite. Really? Oh, I thought Kate Sith was your least favorite. Well, Kate Sith, I don't even count because Kate Sith, like, <laughs> you have to like, count I him. hate Kate Sith so much. Like, I don't even, I would get Kate Sith and immediately remove him from my party. Like, I never wanted anything to do with Kate Sith. If you hate him that bad, then he has to be your least favorite character. Okay, he, fine. I guess I just don't want <laughs> to, if you want to, I don't want to consider him a character to hate. So, like, I exclude him. Like, he's not even in the thought process of, like, playable characters. That's a lot of hate. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like Yuffie, though. Yuffie, I, when I was younger, I really thought she was obnoxious. In most recent playthroughs, she's like the only upbeat character, so it's like, well, I kind of need her in the team, so I don't... Well, Sid is. He He's a drunken like wife beater. Yeah, he's upbeat. Because he's drunk all the time. The only upbeat he does is when he upbeats his okay, wife. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> he's terrible. Sid's kind of a jerk. I, don't be wrong. I, I like back when I like first played the game, I thought he was like cool, but like I don't know, he's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of jerks, honestly. I like Barrett a lot. Except for Aerith. Aerith is really nice. Tifa's Aerith's not really like, a jerk. Aerith's really nice, but she has a lot of baggage with her ex boyfriend. Well, yeah, everybody has baggage in this game. I guess arguably, who doesn't have baggage with their ex boyfriend? Exes. Exes, yes, exes. Uh Tifa I, I didn't mind too much. I I, I feel like she she's a, comes off a little obnoxious in the beginning because Cloud well but Cloud comes off as such a jerk in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, Cloud's like, I don't want to help anymore. And she said, Please, Cloud, we're childhood friends. And he's like, I, I don't even care. I don't even care that we're childhood friends. Give me more money. Like I so I would be angsty too if I were her. Yeah, probably, I guess. So fair enough. Yeah, I understand that then. Uh but yeah, Red Thirteen is pretty cool. I really like him. And uh Who's your favorite? I think my favorite might be Barrett. I really liked Barrett. I realize like in hindsight that he's like just like at least in his original translation, he's like a walking cliche, mm-hmm. you know. But like, there's just something really cool about the fact that this dude has like a machine gun for an arm. He has a daughter who actually he like really loves and like takes care of and like you know has to watch out for. I felt like that added a really big dynamic to his character, you know. And so yeah, I, I really like Barrett. Yeah, I think we've talked enough about the game. I think so. Like I feel satisfied. I, I, I think our listeners are sick and tired of hearing about this game. So so while that's happening, while we're talking about this game, 
and you're getting sick of it, <laughs> we're going to take a break from it, and we're going to give you this week's Retro Relapse. Jones in for a classic game? It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. Now, Retro Relapse. During this Retro Relapse, because it's going to be a short one, it's a fairly quick one. The, the, I'm, I'm going to play this song in the background that you wanted to play that we didn't have a chance to. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is uh, uh, On the Other Side of the Mountain uh, from Final Fantasy VII from by Nobu Yamatsu. We're just going to go ahead and uh, leave oh, that in the back. Nice this, and yeah. mellow. Ooh, this, is a, this is a good song to like talk over. It's a little sad, too. It is, but it's It, right. it involves the, the plot and backstory of two characters that are pretty integral. Mm-hmm. But in any event, uh, this week's Retro Relapse is... Robo Pit 2. <laughs> I don't know how Chops found the second one, but he did. I did. I found the second one on the PlayStation. Came out a year after the previous one. Coincidentally, you can't find like anything on this so game. So I don't yeah. This this game It's like a ghost. It's weird. It has a plot, unlike Robo Pit 1. Yeah, Robo Pit 1 had um, no plot. This one did. You're like infiltrating the robot. Coliseum to like stop the home computer. It's like gone Muse, evil. Muse, yeah. Muse, and like you get to pick your character, you know, you get to build them out. You mm-hmm. get experience points in this one. If you've listened yeah. to last week, how we cho- said, you know, you get to choose body type and weapon styles, weapon types. Um, in this, you get the same kind of thing, but like they, there's more. There's more of them. There's they get experience, they change, and uh, it's a lot more fluid. I like the controls a lot more in this. It controls a lot better. I, I mean, don't be wrong. The first one, it wasn't like they were bad controls. They were a little clunky. Yeah. In this one, it's way smoother. Mm-hmm. It's almost so smooth to the point where, like, I just felt like I, I was able to, like, like cheese out the game by, like, sliding in, like, you on an angle. Out the game. And I just started wailing on the enemy. And when he tried to hit me, he, he couldn't do it. Yeah, you were timing it perfect to where, like, we had a conversation. You weren't even looking at the screen, and you were beating them. In the first game, I was terrible. In this game, I'm actually a pro. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It felt pretty good. And uh, so, yeah, it's just a robot fighting game. Yeah. Same concept as the uh, RoboPit 1, if you heard last mm-hmm. week's episode. You're in a coliseum. You fight one robot. You, you get tons of crazy weapons. There's like maces, flails, and hammers, and swords, and daggers, and punches, and fists, and blah, And then you blah, have blah. like these things that float above you, and your right side and left side that shoot like oh, projectiles. Yeah. Um, and then you get like your bottom half of your body is a serpent, which we went with. Yeah, that's what we went. Yeah, I was like, serpent body, yep. serpent body. Absolutely, yep. serpent body. Or oh, your yeah. favorite guy. In the in the game that we saw, oh yeah, the villain or or like the the guy who works for the supercomputer is like well, uh, his name was like I uh, uh, like Zorn or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember his name, but he's this robot with like one bright eye in the middle. Yeah, in the middle, and he has a giant scythe. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I want a scythe. Yeah, right. I mean, that guy was awesome. He was basically like Death the Robot. Yeah, basically. He like popped out and he was like, I'm evil and and something and then he like ran off we yep. we flew through the plot i wasn't really too concerned but uh there's a lot more customization you know you you have not only like you can like design like what your chest piece looks like your legs your head you know like you in the thing too is in the previous game we had mentioned they were like anime eyes it was real cute in this game it's no longer cute it's no. like it's straight up like you know this is almost, real edgy from yeah. one year later it's very edgy yeah very edgy 
it was honestly I'd play it again. Yeah, I'd play it again. I play both of these again, but I'm biased. <laughs> so on an eight bit scale, what would you give this game? On the eight bit scale, I give it like a, a a solid six, pushing into seven. Wow, that much better than the first one. Yes. Wow. It because the controls are so much smoother. The only reason why is because you destroyed the robot that you played against. That might I might be biased. It might be because I utterly just destroyed my enemy. But the other thing too is it has that crazy robot with one eye in the giant yeah, sight. The giant That's sight awesome. Pretty sweet. That was cool. I, was so like I give it a purple. six. Yeah, pur- yeah, like deep purple, deep like almost purple. grayish. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, very cool looking robot. Um, I can't give it anything more than the first one. <laughs> so it, it has to be a six. No, that's that's fair. Um, I need to play more of it. Yeah, I, I I would love to to give it more time. I would love to give it more time. I don't know that I would ever be able to talk at length like for a full on episode for a game like this, just because there's like no info out there on the mm. game. We found an IGN article from like '97 on it. That's it. That was it. That's all. And we found that in the re the the like the the description of d- Robo Pit. Yeah. It was the in, reference. Uh, the references pay, uh, section on Wikipedia, and it was just like, uh, like what, what was the title of the article? It, it had like a hokey name. Oh, it was called Robo Pit Two. More is better. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's all we got. But well, the worst part about this story is in it, in it that starts out with Robo Pit Two, the follow up to last year's super deformed robot fighter. We'll have a ton more parts to customize your robot with. That's just very offensive, I think. I don't know. Now, here's the... It, it kind of is, but here's the thing. When you have cutesy-style robots, like smaller robots like that, they're referred to as SD, super deformed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, a, oh it's I a, didn't know that. It's, I a Gundam. That was a... it's, it's a Gundam thing, actually. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess that's not as bad. If you look up SD Gundam, you'll find nothing but tiny, cute versions of all the robots. That's what that meant. Yeah, SD, yeah. That was a really popular co- show. Gundam SD, was it a show? Oh yeah, it had its own show too. I never I saw did that not show. Like it. I, I heard it was, it was garbage. It was annoying. Well, there, there's like an SD Gundam like game series and mm-hmm. stuff. Like they, they, there's a ton of stuff for it. I don't Why know a lot about super it. Super deformed though. Because it's very offensive. It's really <laughs> weird. All right. Anyways, you should buy RoboPit One, buy RoboPit Two, and I think there might be a RoboPit Three. We'll, we'll, but I have can, to figure it yeah, out. We barely found any information on two. There's no information out there uh, when it comes to RoboPit. So we'll we'll do some research and maybe come back with that another day. Yeah. But uh, I do want to make sure that we talk about our RPG protagonist battle. Yes. So today's matchup is Yoshi from Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Kid Yoshi. Kid Yoshi, baby Kid Yoshi. Yoshi. Whatever. I'm calling, you know, shenanigans on that. This from the guy who came up with Ryu from five different games. Yoshi's going against Vivi from oh, Final Fantasy IX. This sucks. Vivi's going to lose. I know Vivi's going to lose. Hey, I think Vivi's going to win. I, I want Vivi to win, but I know Vivi's going to lose. Hey, listen, Vivi is a very popular character. A lot of people really like Vivi. I, th- I think the reason why Yoshi has won a lot of its matches is because he's been paired up against 
not as popular characters. And so I think people just look at it and they're like, well, I can choose Yoshi, who's like old faithful. Kid or, Yoshi. Kid Yoshi. Whatever. Or should have been in the title of the poll. What? And, and you should And hey, listen, I didn't, I didn't choose these characters. Craig. I haven't chosen the, the poll stuff. As far as I'm concerned, I'm the one who's going to have to pick up the pieces when Turnip wins this thing and I have to make an episode on it. Oh, I'm so upset about that. <laughs> A part of me kind of wants to turn to the week. I know you ridiculous. do. Shut up. Yeah, you're not upset about it. <laughs> not that upset. But uh, yeah, so uh, uh, join us on the Facebook group. We're more than willing to give you that uh, uh, the acceptance. We just you know keep it closed to keep the robots out. I uh, vote for VV. A vote for VV is a vote for America. <laughs> and VV's from Final Fantasy Nine. I don't think we did we mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, I was just super upset about the kid Yoshi part. Um, uh, fair enough. Uh, Final Fantasy Nine Black Mage. Yep. And uh, I won't give the spoiler about him. Yeah, he's he's cool. He's a really cool character. Uh, if you're not familiar with Final Fantasy IX, you should play Final Fantasy IX. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. It like Final Fantasy VII is also on PlayStation Four. It's PC versions. Indeed, it is. Yeah, so so you you don't really have an excuse unless you don't own a PlayStation Four. Right. Yeah, that's a big mm-hmm. excuse. Yeah, that would yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I uh, you know the go ahead and uh, uh, check out uh, our buddies. Uh, Grim and Jazzy over on the Gamezilla show for your video game news. We're, of course, here for your retro news. Well, I guess that's not news. Retro uh, reviews. And otherwise, we have Noobs and Dragons, mm-hmm. uh, our Dungeons and Dragons podcast. But uh, aside from letting uh, our friends know about the uh, our other shows out there, uh, Chops, what, you got anything else for us? The Detroit Beer Collective. Go to there, DetroitBeerCollective.com. Buy some stuff for your friends and family members who have beards and help them smell and look great. Holiday season. It's a lot of gifts going around. We, uh, we advise it. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll be back when the, when legend, the legend continues. continues.